This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And here's Fox creeping forward. He pulls up, 18-footer. Aaron Fox puts the Kings on top. Makes one, takes twice. Gives the belly. 35-foot three for the win. Nibania, Bielitsa. Yes, we deserve this win, man. When we're done, we can go chop it up, eat, golf, whatever you want to do. But 40, 48 minutes, I ain't about them games. Welcome back to another episode of the King's Pulse Podcast presented by the King's Herald. My name is Brendan Nunez. Got Rich Abanowski on here as we always do. What's going on, Rich? How you doing, man? I'm doing all right, man. Just watched the Sacramento Republic FC lose their first game in the season. But uh, it's all good. Got some Sacramento Kings basketball in me this morning. That was interesting. It reminded me like a little bit of India, actually. I think it's the first time I've like been drinking coffee while watching basketball game live at the same time. Yeah, yeah, it worked very well for me. Uh, I'm working on weekends, and I actually it didn't work amazingly. I didn't catch the end of the game, but you know, I mean, we're just seeing a lot of Barry Parker minutes at the end of the game. So, uh, but I mean, yeah. Uh, just, I don't know how many notes you can take from these, especially playing the best team. Giannis doesn't play most of the time. Um, but Jaron Fox's first game out there, uh, you know, we'll start with, uh, was it a little weird for you kind of point picking him out with the haircut? I almost got him and Basemore mixed up a little bit. Yeah, it was strange. And uh, I feel like he needs to take a trip to the old bubble barber shop and, uh, I don't know. Get lined up a little bit. It, it's just it's maybe it's just a, a new hairstyle, but I feel like it could be sharper. Um, but yeah, good to see him out there. I think he was like it wasn't even going ninety percent. I think he was going like like sixty percent. Yeah, he had a blown layup at the very beginning that like kind of gave it away that he just wasn't trying that hard to me because it looked like he loaded up like he was gonna slam it down and then realized yeah he should probably just be soft with it and then completely butchered it because he was like in between the two decisions. Um, but yeah, a little aggressive. I mean, like there was just some nice little playmaking flashes, but overall, yeah, just kind of getting into the groove for him. Um, what do you think of the uh, idea of putting Harry Giles on Giannis? Because you know, there's no Rashawn Holmes and no Harrison Barnes, which would probably be our options one and two for Giannis. I mean, I think it's the best option at that point. I yeah, they're just like I don't think Harry's going to do like an amazing job on him, but. I mean, he did fine. Like, this isn't a real game, and Giannis would have probably been a lot more physical in a real game and probably would have – there would have been some more intense scouting and he would have, I don't know, probably caught Harry in a few more fouls, that type of thing. But, you know, generally speaking, I think he was active enough and the length is there that it's a it's a better choice than putting Bielitsa or Bazemore or bogey, like, what are you going to, what else are you going to do? Right, yeah, totally understandable, and obviously Sacramento did a lot of kind of packing the paint and, you know, doing your best to build a wall when Giannis gets down there, or even like a Brooke Lopez posting up since 
Bielita was the one guarding Lopez. Um, and that left shooters open a lot. And uh, Milwaukee was hitting it at a pretty good weight, 45 threes that they shot 44% from beyond the arc. Um, and, yeah, I mean, you just left shooters open a little too much. Obviously, it's a difficult thing with Milwaukee. And it's a scrimmage game. You're getting used to it a little bit. But uh, Sacramento was throwing up a lot of threes themselves. They didn't knock it down at quite a ridiculous rate, uh, 33% for themselves on 48 attempts. But the offense looked pretty good, albeit a scrimmage. And, you know, they're going against the Bucks bench lineup most of the time. But the ball movement was nice. And I felt like there was a lot of emphasis of getting threes up. Yeah, I didn't love what I was seeing on either side of the ball, but again, you're playing the Bucks, and at the end, like again, it's a scrimmage, and yeah, I don't know. I was, uh, maybe it may have rested my eyes briefly during the third quarter <laughs> because it's just a little too early for me. Fair enough. But uh, I think the big story is Daquan Jeffries. Yes, thirty oh plus minutes. God. Yeah, well, thirty minutes. I kind of like this is a little worrisome to me, honestly. In in any scrimmage game, no matter like who the player is, but. It's not it's not terrible, but like these, there were two plays specifically where he had this weak side rotation and just amazing verticality. Where I was like, I think he's our best rim protector on the floor right now, um, and that's just ridiculous. But yeah, I'm a uh, I'm officially fully on board the hype train. Yeah, I'm not sure I saw it, but I like uh, tweeted out like early in the first game that I'm I'm looking for these Daquan Jeffries minutes at the five. I don't think we actually got it, but it doesn't feel absurd with the number <laughs> of players that are unavailable. Yeah. What do you feel like his uh, – what, what positions do you like him at? Like do you see him doing some minutes at the four? Or? I think he's a legitimate three. I think he's a legitimate three. Um he played – I talked about this before, but he played in the front court in Tulsa. You know, not a big program, obviously, but kind of one of those – I don't want to reach here, but, you know, like those Zaire Smith guys that are like 6'4 but play power forward. Um, he has that sort of front court ability. Um, so, you know, I think he's used to that type of role. Obviously, so I actually – when I spoke with Anthony McClish, GM for Stockton, you know, he talked about like one of the main things they're working on this season, just discussing development of players, was was bringing him down from a four to a to a wing to a two three, and I think like the the shooting has got to come around a bit there, and like he's obviously got to adjust himself defensively. That's the, probably the biggest adjustment is. You know, defending fours in college is a whole different whole different animal than defending wings in the NBA. So it's going to take some time. But, like, obviously the physical tools are there. I believe in this kid's smarts and intelligence. He's going to take, you know, you have to learn it. So he's going to have to learn it. But I believe in his ability to do so, no doubt. Um, the frame, like, I've been saying this for a long time, that he's got an NBA body and he's, like, you know, 225. That's pretty ideal for a small forward, even if he's only 6'5". The 6'11 and a quarter wingspan, 225, I think that's a small forward, honestly. Yeah, I totally see where you're coming from with that. And, uh, yeah, I was uh, pretty impressed with what I saw defensively. You're going to have to see it in some live action, obviously. And you asked me the other day, do I prefer uh, Jeffries or Brewer getting more minutes? And 
you know, I'm leaning more towards Jeffries again. I think I already uh, favor Jeffries a little bit, but, you know, this is a guy that obviously is a lot younger than Brewer and more likely to be on the team next season and further on. Um, and, yeah, you know, potential young piece that could be a, you know, rotation player potentially. Um, I, I'm interested in liking what I'm seeing so far, um, but that's about all that I was able to take from the second scrimmage. You got anything else here? I, obviously, actually, there was also a nasty Kent Bazemore poster. Yeah, it was lovely. Um, balls to face situation. Those are, <laughs> those yeah. are my favorites, man. Set yeah. up by Harry and everything. <laughs> uh, we've got to find a way for me to go like one podcast without making some reference to genitalia. We'll get <laughs> yeah, yeah, maybe eventually. Um, but the the rest of this podcast, we are planning on doing a uh, draft. Uh, a mock draft of the lottery. We're going to do a random simulation here. Uh, we've done one of these written for the King's Herald, and uh, we figured we'd just sim here and go, what, two, three minutes for each pick and kind of go through the lottery since we've been covering a lot of draft guys. This is a fun little exercise. We're doing it live. Live mock draft, and it's definitely like a lightning round, so don't worry. You don't have to strap in for the next couple hours. I see your mouse moving over that sim, sim lottery button. Oh. Hang on just a second. I got to prepare myself. Let me ask you, if the Kings jump, like, do we do we just do that? Because I'm just thinking we don't need to do the whole lottery if they jump. Uh, so mm-hmm. uh, maybe I'm getting ahead of myself. Maybe if they jump, we, like, do it real quick to them and then do another one. I don't know. We're not going to make the listeners sit around here while we, like, do ten picks of teams that – won't have any consequence on the Kings, right. but yeah, I think that's the way to go. So lightning round, uh, mock draft. I think three minutes per pick is perfect. No more than that um, for the pick to get in and mm-hmm. our discussion on the pick. So and then after that, it's just that's it. Yeah, sounds good to me. I, I like your idea. Uh, good point. If they do jump into top four, we'll probably just go quick until we get to Sacramento's and then uh, resume it with a normal lottery where they're likely picking at 12. Um, all right. It's live. Let's do right. this. Let's hit this. Let's see what happens. Sports are coming back, and so are your chances to bet on your favorite teams and events. There's no better place to start than our exclusive partners, Bet Online. Get in on the action for this week's big UFC fight or check out odds on NASCAR, Formula One, and the Premier League. Can't wait for your team to come back? BetOnline has futures odds including win totals, division winners, and even league championships. Or check out daily simulations of Madden and NBA 2K to watch and wager on. Visit BetOnline.ag and use promo code BLUEWIRE to receive your new welcome bonus. That's promo code BLUEWIRE. BetOnline, your online wagering experts. All right, so the order we got, we got Detroit jumping to first. We have Cleveland second, Atlanta third, Chicago jumping to fourth, Golden State at fifth, Minnesota at sixth, New York seventh, Charlotte eight, Washington nine, Phoenix 10, San Antonio 11, Sacramento at 12, uh, kind of standard, New Orleans 13, and Portland 14. Um, you know, Do I you had the have Sacramento a coin. Pick. No, well, I was going to say I had the Sacramento pick on the oh, Arca. Okay. I think you should take it this time. Sorry for stepping on you there. I was just 
but who do I have here? That is fair to me. You had to pick on the last time we did a lottery mock. I'll take sack time. So I've got all even numbers. You've got all odds. So you're looking at Detroit, Atlanta, Golden State, New York, Washington, San Antonio, New Orleans. I'm taking the evens. Cleveland, Chicago, Minnesota, Charlotte, Phoenix, Sacramento, Portland. All right, enough lollygagging. Let's put three minutes on the clock for the Detroit Pistons. You know, I don't need three minutes here for Detroit. Um, I think that the top two picks for me are always going to be Edwards or Ball for the most part. Um, And I think that in Detroit's case, they really need a guy they can just work around everything, be the entire engine of the offense. And I think LaMelo Ball probably has the highest upside in this draft, um, right up there with Edwards and maybe some other guys at, like, absolute peak outcomes. But I'm going LaMelo Ball, one to Detroit, be the entire engine of that offense and, you know, just build everything around him at the start of a rebuild here. Yeah, I think that's the right pick. Um, Yeah, like you said, so something that I've thought about for Detroit a few times when we've been discussing mock draft scenarios is, they just don't have a lead guard of the future at all. Um, you could probably make an argument for the guy that I'm going to pick here, uh, number two for Cleveland. But, um, yeah, I mean, I think you go with the ball-dominant guy. Uh, Lamelo Ball absolutely is that. And then you can kind of figure it out from there into the future. It's probably easier to put scores around him than it is to find a – a playmaking, a primary playmaker like Lamelo. So, I like your pick. I am up with the Cleveland Cavaliers at number two, and I've already tipped my hand. But uh, you know what? Here, I'm gonna. Yeah, I'm, I'm just gonna commit. I'm taking Anthony Edwards number two. Yeah. I really do feel like this is the one and the two in the draft. I can make arguments for other players to be in that tier, and I probably will make arguments for that on kingsherald.com. But I just think that, like, in a, in a mock draft scenario, which we've talked about being different from a big board scenario, that type of ranking, I just think these are the two players off the board first. It could go either way. But, yeah, for me, Anthony Edwards is – kind of your number one guy in Cleveland as well. Like, despite the fact that they have Colin Sexton and Darius Garland, two lottery picks that play the guard positions, they don't. They still don't have their number one guy. And I see him as big enough, strong enough, and ball dominant enough that he can fill that role. If Colin Sexton has to, you know, work as a point guard, so be it. If they kind of do some combo guard stuff, be it on Darius Garland's, uh, you know, growth a little bit, so be it. I, I got to choose the guy that can be another one. Yeah, I think totally fair. I think Cleveland is the uh, going best player available, and I'm with you. I think LaMelo and Anthony Edwards are the one-two here. In most cases, I think even if I were to have taken Edwards first, I would really consider LaMelo Ball second for Cleveland just because they don't have that number one guy. And maybe LaMelo can be that guy, even though they do have two point guards already. I think that, you know, picking Garland with Sexton already there, like they're very clearly just looking for the best player available. Um, 
And, yeah, so I, I agree with your pick of Edwards there for Cleveland. And Atlanta 3, I'm in a tricky situation here. Um, I know what you want to do, and I encourage you to do it. Uh, you're talking about Devin Vassell. And, uh, man, I do want to because my issue with, like, taking a Coro here who gets mocked to Atlanta all the time is that Atlanta just does not – like, they desperately need three-point shooting. They were last in the league in three-point percentage last year. And, you know, outside of their core is really where that kind of sucked because if you look at, like, uh, John Collins and obviously Trey Young, you have some decent shooting there. And then DeAndre Hunter, Cam Reddish aren't terrible in that aspect. Um, But, yeah, I mean, I I don't really know – like, I know – I think I like Vassell better than Okoro in general. I, I'm I'm gonna go Vassell here. Um, I really I, I messed around doing my own mocks here, and I had Atlanta in three, and kind of talked myself out of Vassell. Uh, Bryant West, Kings Herald made an interesting argument for Okoro, uh, but now I, I'm going Devin Vassell here at Atlanta for three. I think that they just need a defensive playmaker. Definitely need a defensive playmaker, especially alongside. Um, Hunter and Reddish, I think that's a really interesting defensive wing lineup you can throw out there. And you know you have a shooter in Vassell as well. Yeah, it's a great pick. In a scenario that we ran through previously, I a dream scenario for them. It'll Just because I think they've got enough guys, enough shooting wings to throw there. Uh, they, they may not be a great three-point shooting team, but I think they could use just uh, – Kind of a, a cannonball of a weapon who, that that Trey Young can basically just feed constantly um, and take some pressure off him to create his own shot constantly. But uh, yeah, no, it's a, it's a good pick. I when I mentioned like you know a big board and a mock draft are different. Right now on my big board, I have Devin Vassell number two, and whew, I know that's like a lot. <clears throat> I know it's a lot. And Bryant West is talking me off this ledge constantly. I'm going to stick by it. And it's just because of the the doubts of the floor on the middle ball. I'm just, like, really worried that there's a scenario where he could just not work out at all and he could flame out. which is And, and the floor is just so high on Devin Vassell that I've got him uh, number two behind Anthony Edwards. But good pick there. Um you ready to move on to my pick at number four with Chicago? I am. Are you ready here? I am. I am ready. Uh, this this lightning round thing, it panics me a little bit. Yeah. It does. But, uh, oh, boy. What do you feel like yeah. Chicago needs? A wing, point, right? Point guard or small forward. Okay. Point guard or small forward. I, I don't think that Tomas Staranski – has it, like, locked down. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think I know uh, how to go here. So I'm looking at – so if Vassell were there, that would have probably been the pick for me. Um, obviously, if Edwards were there, I mentioned, you know, before. But I think Denny Avija is interesting because he can fill that size of a body that they need. They really do need a 6'9", 6'8 guy. That would be great for them. Um, but Otto Porter's there. If he makes a healthy recovery, I do actually see the number one need as a – primary point guard, and I almost went with a pretty hot take here, but I'm going to go with Killian Hayes. <laughs> yeah, that, that's that's who I would have taken here. 
I think that it's the better choice. If you're looking through the point guards here, and I won't get too far into players that we haven't drafted yet, but uh, Killian Hayes is among a cluster of point guards in this tier for me of, like, first half of the lottery, quite frankly. And he's probably the best guy that you could fit next to a high-usage guard like Zach Levine. Yeah, I think that's uh, that's really fair. You know, Killian, you really like running the pick and roll, but you don't want him quite being your primary initiator. Like, if if it's a case where it's 1A, 1B, um, both aren't amazing in that uh, situation, but I think it's good enough for Chicago that, you know, they have decent bigs that they can work with as well. I really like Carter Jr. Um, Markkanen could find his shot again. And, uh, yeah, I, I definitely agree with you there that you need a – playmaker and initiator and I like the defense that you're getting from Hayes there as well he is in my uh, top tier that we're working with here and um, number five here I have Golden State and this is a very interesting situation Um, a lot of players to decide between here and I'll say the the group that I kind of go between here would be Onyeka, Kongwu, Denny, um, Okoro, and Halliburton, and man, Toppin deserves a mention in this too. Um, man, okay, so I think I take a Kongwu off the table here because as much as I love him, like the Warriors have won championships with Kavon Looney as their center. Like they're really, I think they can find replaceable centers that are going to do the job that they need just fine. I think that they need a wing player, and obviously they're going to want a uh, contributor from the start here. And I think it really comes down to, I, I don't, Toppin to me is a player that's really going to struggle in the playoffs, especially early on. Like defensively, I, I know that offensively he probably has the highest floor in this draft. I just think that he's going to struggle in the playoffs and Golden State's a team that's really trying to win a championship probably next year. To me, it comes down between Okoro, Denny, and Halliburton. And... Man, I kind of want to go. I kind of want to go Halliburton here, but I think I did this in our uh, a mock we did that may or may not come out on the Kings Herald. With uh, I'm going Isaac Coro here, and you know the the high uh, outcome player comp in a way that you hear is really like a Andre Iguodala, and he's a guy that obviously the shot is the worry for him, but he has some nice playmaking and ability off the dribble, and. While every team needs spacing, I think Golden State is doing a little better for themselves when you're rolling out probably the two best shooters in the league, two of the best shooters of all time, um, where those guys are going to supply a lot of spacing for themselves. And I really think that Okoro is going to do wonders for them defensively with Draymond. And uh, while the offense is going to take some coming around, I really think that having that wing defender in a league, in a division and conference where you're going up against a Paul George, LeBron, Kawhi is just, I think that that's going to be really big for them there. Um, so I was really close to picking Halliburton, I think the smart player, but I'm going to give the size of a three, a legitimate three to Isaac Okoro here at Golden State. I think it's a good pick. I think it's a relatively bold stance. Um, a lot of people will be side. I know Brian West, when he listens to this, will be applauding uh, your decision here. That that comparison with Andre Iguodala 
Brian is the first person I've heard mention that, and yeah, I mean, he's got a really good point. I've discussed how I don't see a lot of comps for him, and not that comps are the end of the world, you know, or, you know, the whole world or whatever. They don't really matter that much because each player is an individual, but I do think it's concerning sometimes when when the when the theory, when the idea of a player, you can't think of a lot of examples of this type of guy that has right. worked. So that's my concern for Okoro. But, yeah, if anyone could get the most out of him, it does make sense to to take him to a team with a ton of spacing. Um, I, I respect the pick. I think you may have made it a lot higher in a, a previous mock we did. <laughs> but uh, so that that was that was a lot for me to handle. This one I, I I like it. I respect it. I personally will say I would go Obi Toppin here yeah. um, because I I think you can find if you're the Warriors it, as rare as wing defense is when you're a contender and I mean like a top two top three contender could win a championship any year I actually don't think it's that hard to find it's teams like the Kings that can't get a single wing defender to sign with them but the Warriors can get that you know type of a dude um, on like a one-year deal later in their career and they, they can kind of cycle through those dudes um, maybe they can't be as special as Okoro, but I I don't think you can really find an Obi Toppin because Obi Toppin could legitimately be the best offensive player to come out of this draft class. Uh, that's a, that's a real outcome. I, I I think he's also the most NBA ready as far as offense goes for sure. And just considering the window for the Warriors being very much in the now, I probably would go Obi Toppin. But I respect what you've done here. Yeah, I see where you're coming. And, you know, I think that maybe like a situation for Toppin in his rookie year is, you know, maybe he is kind of the focal point of like a bench offense. And that would really do a lot for him. And you're right, the gravity of him rolling to the rim with uh, Clay and Steph obviously shooting, uh, sitting out at the wings. Uh, I do see the argument there. I just have a lot of concerns about the defense there. And I also just tend to favor defense a little bit more than offense. Um, do you have a way that you're leaning number six here for Minnesota? I do. In our first mock that was written up on kingsherald.com, I chose Onyeka Okongwu. I think that it's a very attractive defensive pairing. We know that Carl Anthony Towns, just for whatever reason, doesn't seem to give maximum effort on defense. Maybe it's because he's exerting a lot of his energy on offense. Maybe it's because he's just not a locked-in player mentally uh, as, as far as the defender goes. I don't know. But as attractive as it is on defense to get a guy that can play the four or however you'd, what, however you'd categorize them at that point, um, a guy that can cover for, you know, Towns' defensive lack, lack of defense there, I think it does take away from his offensive game just a little bit. And frankly, if you have a player like Carl Anthony Towns who you know, might be one of the 15 best offensive players in the league, you can't risk taking away from any bit of their offense. I think you need to build your team around their offense. So I'm just, I, I worry too much about Onyeka's ability to stretch, so I'm going to go away from him. And I'm going to go oh. – 
with a guard. I'm going to go with a combo guard oh, that I feel. Hold on, hold on. I don't know if you know this. I don't know if you know who I'm going to cheer. Because this guy, I don't know. I, 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 he's not my guy, but uh, he's a guy. Uh, Tyrese, uh, no, excuse me. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. I'm looking at two different Tyrese's. Tyrese Halliburton. Okay. Give yeah. me Tyrese. Give me Tyrese Halliburton. Um, hmm. You know, like like D'Angelo Russell. I don't think he's the true point guard or shooting guard. I think he's a he think he's like a legitimate actual combo guard um, who can play on ball. Has the the playmaking has the creativity, uh, has a little bit of the shot creation. I worry about him, you know, getting to the rim. He's very light, uh, very slender frame. But I, I also, I mean, he's one of the best, if not like the best catch and shoot shooter in this draft. So I think he can play off ball when D'Lo needs the ball in his hands. I think that works when you want to take D'Lo off ball, I think that works as well. Yeah, that's really interesting. Um, yeah, I, I think there were a lot of options here. Also looking at Onyeka, Denny, and uh, Obi, I think would be really interesting here too if you just decided to go full offense since, I mean, you already have Cat and D'Lo as your pairing. Um, I probably would have leaned Denny, but I see where you're coming from here, and I, I'm probably just saying Denny because I think uh, positionally, while I agree with you, Cat has a lot of struggles at the five. I think you just kind of have to play him there. Um, and I think they could really use a four. I, I like Malik Beasley. I don't think he's a player that necessarily, like, you don't draft someone for. But I think it's close enough with these two guys um, that I, I like Denny a little bit better for the fit. But I see where he comes from with Halliburton, especially the off-ball uh, work that he does and when you already have two really high-usage guys. And, you know, Tyrese is the guy that, Halliburton, that is, is a guy that really makes good decisions uh, very quickly after the catch as well and swinging the ball, and I think he could be placed in that situation a lot in Minnesota. So uh, I definitely like your pick and see where you're coming from here. Um, and then two, – Two quick reasons why I, I, I moved away from Denny. But two, as, as we know and we've discussed, I forget um, – remind me on, on the, the Timberwolves guy that um, – you speak with a lot. That's, Dane Moore. Uh, yeah, Dane Moore, yeah. I mean, he as he knows too, all too well, and he's discussed with us, and as you know all too well, anyone that watched them knows, they have so few wings that can consistently shoot. And while I would like to believe that Denny can do that, his shooting numbers have been such trash for so long that I just can't bear to give them another, uh, you know, wing forward type that, that can actually hit a shot consistently. Yeah, that's fair. I, I think of like a Sarich that I thought was decent for them, and I think Denny could be a better case of that, um, but totally see where you're coming from. There's a very real situation where Denny's shot doesn't work out, and that's a very rough outcome for Minnesota. And um, yeah, if we're sitting seven for New York here, you know, New York, I think, is just the perfect landing spot for LaMelo Ball. Like, I, I'd want that to happen so bad. And by the way, New York just hired... Uh, Tom Thibodeau for was it five years, which was so long to me to to to, to commit to this coach. It's gonna happen. Uh, it's gonna happen because Chris Vernon, you know, he laid out his master plan for the Knicks on a Ringer podcast not that long ago, uh, and he said <laughs> hire Thibodeau and draft Lamelo Ball, 
and this franchise turns around, which I thought was like the highest comedy I've ever heard. He's being serious, I think. I'm not, I, I just, I'm not a big <laughs> Chris Vernon fan. Love KOC. They're on the same podcast. It creates a great uh, uh, divide, a great push pull dynamic there. Uh, great guy, but just, I was like, man, if they do that, their franchise is going to be gone for another five years. And I think <laughs> that's, that's what will happen, actually. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the situation they're in sitting here at seven, obviously, LaMelo off the table. Man, it's interesting because when I was leading up to this, I was like, you know, I think they just take Wiseman. I think they just take the high outcome guy. Um, like they're very early in a rebuild and they just need a star desperately. And Wiseman's really the only guy left on this list that could fully become that to me, um, even though I don't think that's very likely. But, you know, maybe their one or two core pieces alongside RJ Hampton is um, – Wow, I just draw, I just drew a blank on the name Mitchell Robinson. I was gonna say, you said R.J. Hampton. I was like, hold on. Oh wow, no, 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 no. sorry. R.J. Uh, Barrett and okay. Mitchell Robinson. You should draft draft R.J. Hampton. <laughs> and you know we've uh, we've had Cole Anthony going to the Knicks a lot, um, just because I see it. But I, I think that it's very Knicks that one of your two core pieces is a center and you still just draft that position. I oh think my I'm still, god, going James Wiseman here. Oh my God! How could you do this? Is it ridiculous? I'm heartbroken. Like I mean, they're only as good much players. as I like Mitchell Robinson. Center. Like, is that a? I don't know. Like, this screams New York to me. They're yeah. only good players a center. I don't see how you could draft a center. Just and I'm just gonna push back. No, Cole Anthony has been, you know, really falling down draft boards. Like he's probably fallen from like a consensus one or two. Uh, yeah. to, you know, uh, maybe borderline outside of the top ten. But just as far as, like, mm. remember it, this draft a year ago, this draft was James Wiseman and Cole Anthony. That was this draft right. at one point. Yeah. You know, I, I think you're right, and I think the answer is Obi Toppin here. I think it's a guy that's going to really like the lights of New York, and I think New York's going to really enjoy him as well. Uh, you have Mitchell Robinson to protect the rim when Toppin does uh, inevitably make some defensive mistakes here. Even uh, yeah, I I think that that's the way we go here. Even though I think they should if go you a younger guy with more you upside. Can, you can slow down and take a breath and make this pick. I understand if it's Toppin. I I actually think that's like a really interesting dynamic combination of a. All offensive players. I was, I was so locked on Wiseman, and then I remember Mitchell Robinson. And I was like, uh, you know, I still think New York might do it because, like, that is the high outcome guy to me. Don't let me pressure you. I, I know I'm trying to push my Cole Anthony agenda on you. Don't let no, me I'm not going you. Cole Anthony. It's okay. Toppin or Wiseman. Okay. Um, yeah, no, I think it, it makes sense to go Toppin. Um, well, I think Wiseman is a very nixy move. Um, and I do think he probably has the highest outcome here. I, I think Toppin's the one that makes sense. You know, they got a little thing for power forwards here. And, you know, maybe maybe Mitchell Robinson is enough of a reason that they don't take Wiseman here. So I'm going to – I'm locking in Toppin. Final answer? Rest in peace, Regis. Final, rest, final answer. Rest in peace, Regis Philbin. Yeah. Final answer? Final answer. All right. I, I actually think that's a really interesting pick. I don't know that I agree with, like, the big lights, bright, you know, big city bright lights, like Dayton, t- 
to the New York Knicks is quite – Well, it's just these these flashy dunks. Yeah, I mean, they'll like it. They'll like it. And I, I you actually have a really, really interesting point about Mitch Robinson being able to clean up for him because um, Toppin loves to – he's like a second-chance defender. He will – you know, I, I the word on him is that he just won't even try the first time and he'll kind of – He'll let some players get past him so he can try to contest from behind and get right. that chase down uh, uh, and use his up and elevate rather than try to rely on his uh, his lateral quickness. But, yeah, I mean, if anyone can hide what he does, it would be like Rudy Gobert and Robinson. So, like, yeah. Yeah, I, I think the, the pairing is very interesting here. And I think if I would have taken Wiseman, it would have made the Charlotte pick at eight a lot more difficult for you. Yeah, thank you for that. I really do appreciate that. Um, and in every single scenario that we've ran through, Wiseman has gone to Charlotte. Um, and Do you I, consider Onyeka here? Because it's a center for Charlotte. Like I, I feel like it's pretty surely a center. Even though they do have other holes, Like center is just a gaping hole for them. And the two guys are Onyeka and Wiseman. Like, do you consider Onyeka? I do, you know, you're right. I forgot in our actual, in the one that we discussed recently, um, it was on Yucca. But yeah, I think it is a center. Now let me let me uh, vamp for a second. G- give me something. Discuss this these two options for a second while I make my decision. Yeah, I mean, this is the classic like high ceiling, high floor situation here. And a team that's early in a rebuild, usually you would think you go a high floor guy. Um, but obviously, Wiseman's high floor is uh, very worrisome that he actually gets to that point. I will say, like, I think that the spacing that you're getting with P.J. Washington, you're pretty much locked into a really good three-point shooter at your four, um, which could go well for Onyeka that maybe potentially isn't a shooter, but you could say the same thing for Wiseman. It's a a real rim runner there. So it kind of depends really just how much you're really buying into Wiseman here. I don't think that there's a, you know, like I, I guess Denny's still on the table here, but Again, I really think that the hole for them clearly is at the center or maybe you say like at the one or two guard. Um, but, yeah, between the two, I this is another situation, like you said, big board versus mock, where I have Onyeka decently higher than Wiseman on my big board. But on my mock, I would understand a situation where Wiseman is going ahead of him uh, because of this theoretical upside there that, you know, is understandable on a pretty fluid moving seven foot guy with a ridiculous standing reach that I don't have in front of me. Um, amazing physical tools. So I, I definitely see the appeal of Wiseman. Um, and, you know, obviously the Onyeka argument is that maybe he just ends up being a replaceable level center, even if it is like an above average replaceable level guy. Support for the King's Pulse podcast is brought to you by Manscaped, who's the best in men's below-the-belt grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. They obsess over the technology developments to provide you the best tools for your grooming experience. Listen, we all have a time where we have hurt ourselves or at least been terrified to hurt ourselves, I know I do, trimming below the waist. That's why Manscaped has redesigned the electric trimmer. The Manscaped engineering team has spent 18 months 
perfecting the greatest ball hair trimmer ever created and just released the new and improved Lawn Mower 3.0. This is a premium tool with a battery that lasts up to 90 minutes, works in the shower so you can take care of your business in there if you prefer that. Also has an extremely cool LED light attached to it that illuminates the grooming areas for a closer and more precise trimming. If you're listening to me speak right now, I want you to experience it firsthand for yourself. Trim that chunk of yours. Get 20% off plus free shipping with the code KINGSPULSE at manscaped.com. Your balls will thank you. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code KINGSPULSE. No space. KINGSPULSE at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. And use the code KINGSPULSE with no space. Yeah, so with Charlotte here, I think it is clearly a center. You don't want to get too fixated on positions, especially in a draft that doesn't have a ton of stars, but you look at their roster, you think about Devontae Graham, Terry Rozier, like you probably don't want to draft a guard into that right now. And then you've got Miles Bridges and P.J. Washington who – you know, surprisingly for any team that's this low in the in the standings, actually has a couple forwards that you feel pretty good about and are very young. Yeah, it's got to be a center. So as you mentioned, it's got to be Onyeko Kongu or James Wiseman. Um, and I'm a little bit torn about it, but just going through that starting lineup right there. I don't feel like there's a ton of star power. Um, you know, we know what Rozier is. Devontae Graham can shoot the hell out of the ball, but I don't know that he's going to be a real star. You know, P.J. Washington looks really good, but, you know, I don't know he's going to get you like a million buckets. I don't know that he he's, – he's more well-rounded than anything, and I think you could probably say the same thing about Miles Bridges. Like, they're good everywhere, but they're not – they're not maybe necessarily a, a marquee player. So I think I'm leaning towards the upside here rather than the safe play. Um, it's really tough because, you you know, you actually put a Congo on this team, you might actually have a really good team, a team that can legitimately make the playoffs very soon. I don't know. I've talked myself into a bit of the corner here, but yeah. – I'm just going to go for it on James Wiseman because I don't know how many swings you really get. And like I said before with the New York pick, this draft was at one point James Wiseman and Cole Anthony. Those were the prizes. And with the way that Charlotte's trending, they may not get another pick in the top eight. So, yeah, I'm just going to go for it. Home run swing on James Wiseman here. Yeah, I think – I would do the same here. Um, Like you're saying, they don't have a guy that projects to be a star. And Wiseman, you know, potentially could hit that point. And while maybe Onyeka does get you to a 7-8 spot in the East, you're probably just kind of stuck there for a little while, which, you know, I mean, Sacramento fans tell you there's definitely worse situations to be in. Um, But I would do the same thing here and kind of swing on the upside if I was in Charlotte's case. Um, Especially, you know, I think Wiseman in an 8, is it is a good pick there. And for Washington at nine, I was really going to pick whichever one you didn't hear. And uh, I'd rather it be Anyeka for Washington anyways. 
I think that, you know, getting John Wall back uh, still determined on what level of play he'll be coming back at. And you have Bradley Beal. You have a really nice offensive piece alongside Onyeka to space the floor in Davis Bertans, assuming they're able to keep him around, which it seems like they have every intention to. Um, they have a solid offensive team, and they just desperately need some defense. I think Thomas Bryant as a backup center works totally fine. I think that that's likely what he is in the NBA anyways. I am taking Onyeka Okongwu at Washington and just hope that he can be the defensive anchor because he has a lot of cleaning up to do. I love the pick. I've thought about Okongwu for Washington because he's never fallen this far in really any mock I've seen. This is kind of a take here for him to get to pick nine. Um, yeah, men are weeping at this at this for Okongwu, Bryant West in particular. Uh, who has him number two on his entire board, I believe. But it's a fantastic fit. I mean, yeah, like you mentioned, the spacing that Bertans, the spacing of Bertans, and just knowing that you can have a Kongwu hang out, you know, down low, oh, man, that is, that's a big relief because I think the stretch factor of a Kongwu is the one thing kind of scaring teams away uh, on some level. So, and you, if you know you've got Bertans there, first of all, lock up Bertans, and then yeah, make this pick and, and feel great about it. Yeah, I uh, I definitely do really enjoy this fit, and like you said, this is the uh, furthest I've seen Onyeka drop in any of our mocks or uh, most that I've seen as well. And you know, sitting here ten at Phoenix, I feel like I know which way you're gonna go because to me, after this, there's a little bit of a tear break. So I have one player significantly ahead of everybody else mm-hmm. left on my board. Um, but I, I can't pick them for Phoenix. I can't pick them for Phoenix, but the fit is no good with Devin Booker. Both guys just need the ball too much. Um, oh, who do you have? You know who I have. I'm trying to push this Cole Anthony agenda. He's, oh, he's, God. He is storming up my board. Wow. Oh, okay. uh, but to... obviously, I can't take him for Phoenix. There's no, there's not enough basketball uh, to go between him and Devin Booker. Let alone the other players on that team. Ricky Rubio's there. You know, that's not going to work. That's not going to work. They, this, they, that doesn't make any sense. I mean, they just invested so much money in Rubio. There's no way they would draft Cole Anthony. So, yeah. Um, what it's I, worth, I think they really need a point guard. Do you really? Phoenix? Yeah. I do think point guard and power forwards are kind of the two holes for that team. I could see that, but I also just don't see that, uh, like, that point guard being Cole Anthony. Yeah. Like, he's not even really a point guard in a lot of ways. He just happens to be that size. Mm-hmm. Yeah, fair enough. I, I see w- what you're trying to do, though. I would do some strong consideration of Maxi here. I see, what you're, I see what you're trying it, to it, do, Brendan. I, I think it's Denny. I see what you were <laughs> I know, Sacramento's do. two picks away here. Yeah. <laughs> Cole Anthony's going to be on the board. Yeah, I see what you're trying to do. It's Denny Avija. Yeah. Uh, it's pretty clearly him. Like, I think that if there's a situation where they can not have to hang on to his restricted rights because he's been a bit of a disaster, uh, I think they can let him go, and I think – yeah, Denny is like a, a you know as close to a one for one as you can get in the draft there. 
and I don't want to lean on like you know the white Europeanness of it all, but the skill set's similar. Like you mentioned, Saric, like for you know that comp with Minnesota, it's not a terrible one. You know, if the shot comes around, that's kind of what you want. Denny, I'm low on relative to everyone else. He still makes sense top ten. Um, yeah, I mean, and and like he's kind of the reverse with with Onyeka, where you want him to play with the real center. I think that he can be a stretch four, you know, in theory. And so putting him next to DeAndre Ayton, I think that works very well. They've actually got their shooting kind of covered. They've got Mikhail Bridges. They've got Cam Johnson. Like those sorts of shooting wings. It wouldn't make sense for me to think about, you know, like a Nesmith, for example, but. Yeah, I, I'm I'm definitely I feel very comfortable going Denny Avicii here. Yeah, I uh, that was the expected pick going into this for me. Uh, definitely am with you there, and I think that's a nice fit for Phoenix. I mean, it, I mentioned I think they could use a point guard, but power forward is definitely the clear hole there. Um, and if he can shoot the ball, you know, or maybe Aiden's shooting the ball now, who knows? Um, I, I like the fit in Phoenix there for sure. And San Antonio, I'm in a really interesting situation here. Um, it's a team that you kind of trust their development. So Cole Anthony is interesting here. Um, like, I'm trying to think. I don't even know what the holes of this team are. Like, I guess you don't. Does DeJounte Murray make you not draft a point guard? I'll throw one out here. And this truly isn't me trying to manipulate for the uh-huh. Kings positioning because I don't, like we've discussed, I think Cole Anthony is, you know, a really tough fit with Sacramento. But one real weakness for the Spurs is shooting, and there's a guy on the board that shoots the damn lights out of the ball. Hmm. Yeah, I see what you're saying there. I'm talking about Neesmith. Uh, you know, I think that I kind of feel like San Antonio, while they are, like, hovering around potentially going for playoffs, I almost view them as, like, really early into a rebuild and not far from that. And... I almost want to go with the upside guy that's not a guard here. Like, they develop wings pretty damn well. And uh, I think I'm going to reach here. I think I'm uh, I think I'm going Patrick Williams. Yes, my man. I think this I is love really that. interesting for San Antonio. I think that, you know, one of the younger guys in the draft with a lot of versatility to him, um, yeah, I, I think that they could do a really good job of molding Patrick Williams. It's the next Kawhi Leonard right there. <laughs> I tried so hard not to say Kawhi Leonard when I was making that pick. Obviously, I'm being hyperbolic, but like as far as the best situation for Patrick Williams to end up, yeah, I mean it's got to be San Antonio. Yeah. Um, you know, he doesn't have like the super freak wingspan of Kawhi Leonard, but I I did see I wrote my most recent draft article for the B was on Pat Williams and the B. Ran it with a a photo of him just eating the ball with his hands. Like I don't know what if it's just the angle of this picture, but it like screamed Kawhi Leonard to me just because yeah. he is like this basketball is a joke. Yeah, I definitely saw the picture. You pointed it out. Um, the hands are absolutely ridiculous on Patrick Williams, and yeah, I think that that that's a team that you know you really trust their development and. I think I've left you in a pretty interesting situation here, 12 at Sacramento. Uh, you know, Cole Anthony's your guy, right? You put out a, a draft, a little fill-in-the-blank sort of thing on Twitter 
said uh, I'd be thrilled if the Kings drafted blank. I'd be fine if they drafted blank. I'd be terrified if they drafted blank. And I was screaming Cole Anthony when I saw I'd be terrified if the Kings drafted. It makes no sense fit-wise. I really hope you're not considering this. Oh, I'm considering it, Brendan. I'm considering it very seriously, and I need you to discuss some options while I continue to consider it. <laughs> no. I also realize, like, this is the whole point of a podcast, and I hate that I'm put in this position. Right. Uh, 12th is garbage. I hate it. I hate one, it. Every this time we do this, party. I'm like, man, one pick above this. Yeah, not even. I can't even fall back on Patrick Williams, who I'm, like, currently in love with for the Kings. Yeah. It's like I'm looking at, like, Sadiq Bey, who is – we know he's a role player. Yeah. There's zero chance he's not a role player. There's zero. And then, like, the other guys that are attractive, we know Aaron Nishmith is a role player. We know it. They're yeah. role players. Yeah, they'll never be more than that. Chula, you know? That's, uh, <laughs> like, I would even discuss with you Jalen Smith. But, yeah. again, he's a role player. Uh, and then, like, right. the guys that, like, might be more than that are all goddamn point guards. It's Kira I mean, Lewis. Poku, you know. It's Tyrus Maxey. Oh, my God. <laughs> Poku just, and Jaden McDaniels. I don't know what you're disrespecting here for. Just talk about players while I, like, really shake in my boots for a second. Yeah, this is obviously uh, the pick of the draft right here. Yeah, I uh, I mean, I've kind of been saying I feel like it's going to come down to a knee Smith or Bay, and I think there's a good chance Patrick Williams is part of that group. Um and, yeah, the more I've watched the Bay, the less inspired I've been of him offensively. And, you know, I think that he can be a knockdown shooter. I don't think it's going to be the level of Neesmith, particularly coming off movement. But Bay does have really nice catch-and-shoot um, quick release that I think he's going to be a high-level three-point shooter at the next level. Um, you know, I do, like, in this tier, I have uh, Patrick Williams, I have Cole Anthony, Neesmith, Bay, and then I also have... Tyrese Maxey, I, I think, is a really good player in this range, but you're not going to be drafting a backup point guard. That's not someone that I see fitting alongside uh, De'Aaron Fox. Same thing with Kyra Lewis. We've talked about him almost in like a Fox-esque role. Um, but, you know, yeah, again, that's a backup point guard. R.J. Hampton, guess there's a high ceiling. Um, I, I'm a little lower on him. Um, another guy that yeah, I don't think you can play alongside Fox. Um and yeah, I mean, uh, you know, it's there's these developmental guys. Um, if you're looking at some bigs in like a Precious or a Poku, if you want to go there. Um, but it, again, we've said it before. Like, how much do you trust the Kings' development? And the answer, for myself at least, is not very much. I think, understandably so. And yeah, I mean, Josh Green's an interesting wing option, but I would probably look at Bay and Neesmith before Green. Even though I like the defense there, I know Bryant's kind of uh, been rising on him and put out a piece on Kings Herald on uh, Josh Green. And, yeah, I mean, I guess you have a safe 3 and D uh, center option in Jalen Smith in a way. But, again, like you also have a safe wing option in Sadiq Bey. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think uh, I'm kind of looking at Neesmith Bay and even Jalen Smith here. It sucks because, like, I do like Precious. And I think it's a guy that if, again, like if I trusted the development or Sacramento just had some room to really actually take the time to develop guys, 
that I would give him some consideration. But, yeah, I mean, I've been pushing high-floor guys. Um, and let me say, I don't think Cole Anthony is that guy. Oh, Jesus. If we were live-streaming, you would see me pulling hairs <laughs> out of my beard. I am a wreck right now. It's 10.48 p.m. I'm, I'm going to lose sleep over this. Who are you um, I know who I'm picking. The pick is in, Brendan, and you're going to hate it, and I'm going to hate it, and every single person listening is going to hate it. They're going to unsubscribe from this podcast. They're going to remove their Patreon donation from kingsherald.com. I'm picking Cole Anthony. Oh, shit, Reg. Oh, no. Oh, my I don't even care. God, I hate you. No, listen. Yeah, no, listen. Oh, shit. This is why. This is why. You know what? Actually, no one's going to unsubscribe from this podcast. And everyone who's not a Patreon is going to go over, pop $5 down on the Kings Herald. And I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why. Because Sacramento Kings fans have been screaming for years, best player available. And I said this about the Charlotte Hornets. They, you don't often get a chance to pick a guy that has legitimate top two, top three upside in the draft. Cole Anthony has legitimate top two, top three upside in this draft. I, I understand he's not, you know, maybe not that Anthony Edwards, LaMelo Ball level upside. Let me really look through this. So, first of all, all right, I, I've done ceiling, <laughs> ceiling like median and floors for all these guys. I get that his floor is very not good. It's very low. I understand that. Uh you know, the median thing, he's six on my board, and that that kind of lends itself to that. You know, maybe it's more of like a, maybe he's the 10th best player in the draft. Maybe it's even worse than that. I don't know. Uh, I think you, he can return value on the 12th spot. But the ceiling on very legitimate. This is what I have on my notes. Elite self-creation. If this is an, and I'm, I'm saying in a best-case scenario, right? Elite self-creation combines with positive physicality to form an offensive engine for a team. Shooting and defense is legit. The pedestrian passing can be offset by teammates. Could be the best player on an all-right team or an all-right player on a good team. Legitimate all-star potential. You cannot say that about anyone else on this draft board. There will be no all-star. The only all-star potential left on this draft board is Cole Anthony. He's a good athlete. Doesn't have a great wingspan, um, but you know, six three, you know, six four and a half wingspan. Not a complete disaster. Uh, it maybe you're putting Fox on the better defender. Uh, 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 you know, as you use Fox as the better defender in that scenario, if you have them both. But that's not what I'm worried about right now because Kings fans have been screaming this for so long. Pick the best player available, figure it out later. And I'll tell you why that's okay, because straight off the straight off the rip, Cole Anthony is going to be a legitimate microwave scorer off the bench. Yeah, he's not a great passer. Yes, that's a problem considering he's in a point guard sized body. But I believe in his ability to legitimately fuel the offense. I don't know what else to say. <laughs> I know I know I'm running out of gas here and I know it's going to be crowded uh, back backcourt, jettison Corey, Corey Joseph into the sun if you must. 
you know, so be it. You know, Darren Fox, Cole Anthony, Buddy Hill, Bogdanovich, even if one of those guards, you know, has to go eventually, pick the best player. I, I agree. I've thought this for a long time, but when faced down the barrel of a gun, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna pick Sadiq Bay. I'm not. Not at twelve. No. Not when there was a guy that legitimately could have been the number one pick if we were, you know, if we were drafting pre preseason. You know, I see where you're coming from. Like, I, I understand it. This is, like, Anthony clearly is the last guy with, like, a semi-realistic all-star uh, potential happening. Like, you know, there's, you know, I guess you could say Poku or some of these other guys, but that's just more of reaches. Um, it, like, extremely high-end outcome of that happening. I... Yeah, I mean, just is there a case where, like, Anthony and Fox actually work side-by-side, side, though? Like, my argument would be, are you hindering Fox's development because you're spending time developing Anthony? It's not a good case. I understand that. But his shooting is real enough that, you know, he definitely can do some catching and shooting, like some catch-and-shoot stuff. He can work off-screens decently enough we don't really see it a lot with UNC because he was the only human player on that team uh but yeah I mean like I think like his off-ball skills are good enough his movement and understanding of an offense as IQ is good enough that it's doable and you can have him kind of prop up an offense by himself in the second unit for a while um it, defensively, it's going to be a real problem. It's going to be a real, real problem. But, yeah, it, it, <laughs> I, it's kind of like the reverse of New, your New York pick with, you know, James. you considered James Wiseman and Mitchell Robinson, like that pair. Obviously, there's no upside to it, and I guess I talked you out of it, but it's a different story at 12 when yeah. I just don't, by that, like, I like Sadiq Bay a lot. I I can't sit here and tell the good people of Sacramento, here's the role player. They need more than that. They need more than that. Yeah. I mean, so, like, I know we're not doing any trades in this situation, but is this their case where you would really look to trade back this pick, assuming someone's really interested in Cole Anthony here? Because, I mean, your whole argument is that, like, Cole Anthony's clearly the best player on the board. Like, say, Orlando at 15. I, I think they really use a point guard, you know. And maybe it's ridiculous to think they'd trade, like, their future first along with it. Um, but, you know, if Orlando came to you and offered to move you down three spots and I don't know what else they're adding to it. But, yeah, but something they're, like they're not that. adding much. To win a trade, you need to get the best piece out of the trade. So, no, I'm not trading down. Um, it's a huge drop-off after Cole Anthony here. I'm aggressively trying to trade up. I'll tell you that. Aggressively. Yeah. I'll package Buddy Heald in this. Oof. Yeah. And we'll, we'll, we'll move up. I'll package Marvin Bagley in this and we'll move up. I, but no, I'm not, I'm not going to give up on, because we've done this, we've done a scenario like this so many times and it's always the same 11 guys. And, and then you're stuck. You're stuck with, uh, you know, Patrick Williams. Or uh, or Sadiq Bay, you know the only thing, the only other thing that I could see making some sense here 
would be Tyrese Maxey because you can you can sell yourself on him guarding twos. But then you're running into the redundancy of of Buddy and Bogey. Because you know I like Maxey's upside as well, but then you have to move one of Buddy or Bogey. And it's like you also have to if you go Cole Anthony. Yeah, exactly. But like I'm saying, like I I'm gonna do it either way. Like okay, the only right. player I consider is Maxey. So like yeah, down the line. You do. You do have to do it. But I'm I'm just going to buy in here on upside. I'm going to buy in here. Like, if the Kings have to run, you know, three-guard sets for a little while until they figure it out, and they got to figure out a way to make Cole Anthony like a permanent six-man, fine, figure it out. It's really tough. Maybe, you know, maybe you do trade him. Maybe he pops and you realize, you know what, we can't keep this guy from being a starter anymore. We do have to trade him down the line. So be it. It's still a better trade asset, I think, in that scenario than a Sadiq Bay. It's really tough. I'm sweating it. You know I'm sweating Ooh. it. I don't talk Ooh. as fast this often. I'm, I'm, I'm concerned. I'm frustrated. But, uh, damn. Yeah. Sacramento, you, you've asked for the best player available forever. Congratulations. I'm here. I'm here. <laughs> oh, shit. All right. Wow. Wow, I, I don't know what else to say about this. Like, you, I, I get where you're coming from, but holy shit, this is a, a pick that I've painted for Sacramento. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know what else to say about it. I, I definitely see where you're coming from. I probably would still lean uh, Neesmith or Bay because, like, while they don't need a role player necessarily, like, I see where you're coming from. I, I do think that in a way, they kind of do need role players. Like, they struggle to find legitimate role players on the wing. That's why they just overpaid the heck out of Paris and Barnes. Um, so if you want to sit here and be a coward, I'm not going to say that. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, you're definitely not. <laughs> you definitely are you, not. You, you, the, the move you make, and you keep your job. So, like, I get that. I like You know what I mean? Like, yeah. a lot of can make that pick, and it makes sense, and there's no friction and I get it, and it like he that's like the way to like preserve his longevity with the franchise. But I'm not in that position, so uh, I'm I'm okay with fulfilling the fantasy of Sacramento of actually choosing the most talented player. Yeah, fair enough. And uh, I'm gonna move on to uh, we have two more picks here, and for 13 at New Orleans, you know this is a. Uh, Another interesting reach here, but I've liked this fit. I think that, you know, I mentioned Sacramento's not really a team that I think has the time to really develop guys. I think that New Orleans is in that spot where they, you know, their core is really all revolving around Zion Williamson, Brandon Ingram, but clearly Zion specifically. And you have a little bit of time before he just fully becomes what could potentially be the best player on a championship team. And, I think you have a good enough core that you kind of are free enough to go for a swing for the fences here because if Alexei Pokusevsky were to work out for you, and I realize that that's a reach, but if he does and that is your fit alongside Brandon Ingram and Zion Williamson, you really become a just ridiculous team. And I think that New Orleans is in a spot where they are able to take that risk um, I don't think many teams are, but New Orleans is the one for me. I've liked the Poku fit here for a while. Um, 
And you mentioned like Golden State able to get decent role players in a way that Sacramento's not. I think New Orleans is going to be in that spot since they do have, I think, just having Zion on your own and also a Drew Holiday. Um, yeah, I, I've liked the Poku fit in New Orleans for a little while here, and uh, I'm sticking with that one. I think it's a very good pick. Um, I think a lot of people really want to see Miles Turner end up on that team by hook or by crook. Uh, and it just makes sense. I mean, like, you need spacing for Zion, someone that can kind of, you know, bang when he has to, but also can sit out on the perimeter if he has to. I think that even though it's too high for him, I would be intrigued by, like, a Jalen Smith fit here as well. Mm-hmm. Like, I can just block shots and drain threes. But, yeah, no, I don't hate it at all. Um, I don't. I, I – I think it's a it's an interesting pick. It's honestly one that I hate to say it, but I considered for Sacramento as well. And it's so tough because Pokusevsky he came out of absolutely nowhere. He like popped up onto the second round pick radar about a year ago and everyone's response was, Oh no. Everyone in Sacramento, oh, my God, oh, no, there's a Greek player, <laughs> there's a Greek player in this draft, right. which means the Kings are going to waste a pick on him. And then he, like, started rising, and it's like, oh, no, he's, like, a legitimate, legitimate high-end second rounder, and it's like, oh, sweet Jesus, the Kings are going to spend their first-round pick on him now. It's not, it's not, they can't get him, they can't, like, bank on the 43rd pick or the 35th pick for him. They've got to spend pick 12 on him, and I can see that as a very real scenario, although I think the fear of God that's been put into this front office from failures recently will steer them away from that. They'll just want to oh, they'll just go for Cole Anthony instead. Yeah, I mean, quite frankly, yeah, because, like, no matter, I, I, no matter what you have to say about Cole Anthony, you can't say that he's not a known quantity that is that he hasn't been on everyone's radar forever. It's as much as the fit can be problematic and as much as he's slid down the board to like 10 or 11, that range, there's no way on earth that Cole Anthony is the gamble that is focused. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, that's fair. And, you know, we've heard a lot of like how does Sacramento get the second star alongside De'Aaron Fox and, you know, maybe Poku's that guy and also – Maybe Anthony's that guy, even if the fit uh, has a lot of questions. But, like, this is one of the few ways that you can actually get that star. It may be the only real way for Sacramento. Like, I don't see them having a super enticing trade package or anything is really through the draft. Um, so I, I get taking these high-outcome guys, even though I've been an advocate for the low floor. Um, but, yeah, I think that, yeah, two uh, real swings here back-to-back. Sacramento taking Cole Anthony and New Orleans taking Poku. Um, is a very interesting outcome, and it leaves some okay options for Portland at 14 here, the very last pick we're going to do in this mock, end of the lottery. Yeah, so last pick, Portland Trailblazers are going to select Sadiq Bay, And I think that this actually is kind of informative of why I wouldn't select Bay at 12 for Sacramento, because I think even though Portland and Sacramento are like on the same – spot in the standings, essentially. I do think they're in very different places in their franchise. Um, you know, Portland's been to the Western Conference Finals recently. They've been, um, you know, they've got their, they're just heavily locked in. 
you know. They've got a legitimate, you know, uh, every year all-star potential MVP candidate in Damian Lillard. They've got Nurkic coming back. They've got C.J. McCollum also super locked in. Long-term contracts on, you know, players that we know are good, even if they didn't make the playoffs this year or even if they – that team only needs a little bit more. They're getting their, you know, Collins has been out. They're getting two guys, two key guys back, and they struggled so much at the forward position, so much so that they traded for Trevor Ariza. We know that they've struggled at the forward position, so I think that City Bay actually does make sense for that scenario, but you got to understand the differences between the Kings and the Trailblazers there. Yeah, I think that you have a good point. I've uh... – like I said, the more I've been watching a Bay, I've kind of been slipping a little bit more on him. I think I was higher than most in general before, um, and I really would consider Neesmith here. But, yeah, I mean, perimeter defense is obviously more um, likely. And, um, yeah, I, I mean, I think there's a good chance you're getting that from Bay. And there's a real question with Neesmith there. And like you said, they Portland needs it so desperately, they traded for Ariza in the same way that I said – Golden State needs wing defense. Portland, also in that Western Conference, is going to need that same wing defense, especially when you reach the playoffs. And, you know, Bay's not necessarily going to be a stopper of those guys, but it's better than a lot of the options that they have now. They've had a hole at the three for a while now, and uh, I do like that fit. And I know we're not going to the pick, but I'm just realizing here, Orlando's going to have a lot of point guards to choose between at 15, and that is like their clear hole. I think Orlando's at a really interesting spot that I didn't realize. Um, but yeah, should I kind of run through all these uh, fourteen picks that we went through? Yeah, if you got them all written down, I've I do. Been just a nervous wreck. So. Yeah, I got it. Well, you had the Sacramento picks, so I don't blame you. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So first, uh, in our Kings Pulse twenty twenty NBA draft mock, uh, we have Lamelo Ball going to Detroit. With number two, we have Anthony Edwards going to Cleveland. Number three, we have Devin Vassell going to Atlanta. Number four, we have Chicago selecting Killian Hayes. Number five, the Warriors select Isaac Okoro. Number six, Minnesota takes Tyrese Halliburton. Number seven, the Knicks select Obi Toppin. Number eight, the Hornets select James Wiseman. Number nine, Washington selects Onyeka Kongwu. Number 10, Phoenix takes Denny Avdia. Number 11, the Spurs take Patrick Williams. Number 12, the Kings select Cole Anthony. Number 11, the Pelicans select Alexei Pokusevsky. And number 14, the Portland Trailblazers select Sadiq Bey. Whew. This was fun. And, uh, yeah, we got a spicy one this round. I'm not going to sleep a wink. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, man. All right. Well, I will say in uh, the future, we're going to have a very interesting mock on this pod that uh, I won't release too much about. But I, I think these are really fun to do and give us, like you said, and we've said it a couple times, big difference between a big board and a mock. And when we're going through our profiles, we're kind of building our big board. And, yeah, there's guys that, are lower, like Apoku, I have pretty far down my board, but I think he makes a lot of sense for Portland and uh, different situations like that. So I think this is really fun to do, a good exercise. And, uh, yeah, we'll definitely be doing this again in the future. 
Yeah, and I'll, I'll, I'll give a little bit more of a, a teaser than that. We are, at some point in the next month, going to release a full mock draft, uh, bringing on a couple experts to help us pick. We're going to be dividing up the picks evenly, and we're going to do, a yeah, like I said, a, a full 60-pick mock draft so we can really get into their three-second-round picks as I know it. Oh, yeah, I'm sure everyone is just fiending for those second-round picks. Uh, yeah, no, but that's going to be a lot of fun to do for sure. I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to that. And, uh, yeah, I mean, do you have anything else for uh, for today's episode? I'm a, I'm a wreck. I'm a mess. Please give, <laughs> so your, money. Please give your money to King's I literally cannot believe it, dude. Oh my god, I swear when your tweet went out, the I would be terrified if the Kings dropped it, it just screamed Cole Anthony to me. And uh, sure enough, kingsgirl.com, check out the Patreon. Thanks, guys. <laughs> thanks to everybody for listening to this episode of the Kings World Podcast. Hear from us again in the next couple of days.